So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Okay, everyone, uh, we're, I think we're live, so uh, somebody give me a sound check. I'll bring up my chat function here. Okay, let's see. Hi, Carl. How are you? I need a sound check from somebody to make sure that we're on. I've got new equipment. I've got, uh, like, brand new, which I've done this freaking mic, and i got a new camera, all that kind of stuff. Uh, actually, a donation from uh, one of my students who's, like, uh, a tech wizard, right? So um, thanks, Drew. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see. So, uh, again, I, I need a sound check. Somebody type in, let me know. Uh, if you're able to hear me, ask me that fact. While we're doing that, how about if I just do a shortcut and jump over to, uh, let's see, use the handy-dandy other device. Technology wonderful, if it works, right? So, let's see, Facebook. And let's go over to Kudan Podcast, and we'll see, uh, see if anybody can hear me. Let's see, where are we? Do, do, do. Too much to do, too little time. Live. All right, so. There we go. Awesome. I, I hear myself, so you must hear myself. So sounds working fine on YouTube. Sounds good. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, let me turn this back off there so everything is good. Okay, awesome. Okay, so um, did the sound come through on the intro that went through? Um, I didn't hear it on my end, but again, I have new things plugged in, and I'm trying, still trying to figure this stuff out. So did the lead-in for the webcast actually um, go through sound-wise? Because I need to know here in a little while if uh, we need to, like, do some editing and, and put that back in and all that for uh, Apple and, and uh, I don't know where the hell else are we, Stitcher Radio and and a bunch of other plays. No sound for the intro. All right, thanks, Carl. Okay, so I'll, I'll get that fixed. All right, so uh, wait, somebody says yes and somebody says no. So if you're trying to confuse me, it's working. If you're not, imagine how confused I'd be if uh, you were actually trying. All right, so let's see. Uh, sounds working fine on YouTube. Okay. Da, 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 da. Okay, so all right. Boy, Richard's on, Shane's on, Carl's on. Um, okay, cool. Uh, I don't know where everybody's coming in from. Let's see. I'm showing a bunch of people in on YouTube on that side. I know Carl's definitely in on. Carl, you in on the YouTube side? Uh, yeah, looks like. It. All right. So uh, I had no sound until you came on live. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So um, anyway, here we are. Episode 81. And uh, normally I try to do like a little intro, cool little uh, starter kind of thing. Uh, but I was actually un running under the wire. Uh here we are. I'm, I'm shooting this on a, on a Sunday night where I am, right? And it's a little bit after 8 o'clock. Had a full weekend with family and everything. And uh, as usual, life does its little thing, right? So um, anyway, so here I am. Uh, as long as sound is working fine, we'll just keep on going with where we are, right? So um, 
I really wanted to like hit everybody with like this like hard punching kind of thing because um, he, here's a contention, and maybe I should just make this a uh, a title for uh, or not a title, but a theme or a subject or whatever a focus for an upcoming Kudan. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it uh, for this one because. It's going to seem like I'm coming from a bunch of different uh, perspectives or a bunch of different angles, uh, and I promise that I'm not, okay? Um, all of this really gets tied together because this is about, okay? And I don't care if you're defining success by a certain black belt level or uh, having a certain skill set or mastering ninjutsu, right, whatever that might mean, because uh, apparently it means a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people, Um or, you know, it's uh, success with relationships, success with family, success with um, in business or in your work life or success uh, financially or whatever, okay? Uh, because what I've learned in this art is uh, needed to encapsulates or encompasses all of those things, okay? So um, if, you, if you read the lead-in or you caught the little meme that I put out, uh, a couple of days ago, and maybe a week ago, right, announcing that it would be the next, uh, the, the focus of an upcoming uh, kuden, right? Uh, there's actually a quote that I, I hung up in the in the dojo here, and um, what it really says is, the reason why most people are not successful, or as successful as they want to be, right, is because they traded their commitment and courage for success. I'm not, I'm not for success. They traded their, sorry, they traded their commitment and courage for comfort, right? And if you saw the little lead-in for this thing, right, uh, that's actually something that when I posted that, one of my students, right, kind of posted, uh, kind of did a little uh, comment, right, that comfort was the poison to success, Right? And I'll, I'll talk about that. That's the that's the, the kind of the approach for this uh, uh, this episode. But we're going to be coming at this probably from some touchy areas, okay? Because um, everybody wants to look at, at Nidatsu or they want to look at martial arts just from this one perspective, right? It's just all about, you know, kicking ass and taking names and, and all those kind of things, right? Um, but again, Nidatsu is a strange, strange animal, right? Um, because if we're looking at Nijutsu proper, just just that thing, right? What we're looking at is information gathering, right? What we're looking at is accomplishing results, accomplishing the mission, working our will without anybody having any idea that we did anything, right? Okay? Um, if we were to defend ourselves, right, leave somebody behind in a, in a, in a gutter, he attacked us, we did our thing or whatever, um, or actually took action, executed on a plan, right? We would be the last person that anybody would look to as having anything to do with that, right? So my contention, and it's been this way for a long, long time. Those of you who have been uh, my students for a long time, I mean, uh, Carl's been one of my students for <laughs> well over a decade, right? Uh, there's been some other folks that have been with me just as long, right? So you guys hear this stuff again and again, right? But it's one thing to hear it, and it's another thing to, to kind of take a look in the mirror and see, where am I, right? How's the program working for me? Right? How's my program working? And this goes for those of you that I'm going to touch some, I'm going to touch some trigger points on. I'm going to make you all anxious and, and nervous or 
just flat out defensive, right? Some of you might end up hating me and, and, and just going away, right? Okay, right? I have to have broad enough shoulders for that. Uh, and I think I mentioned this before. There's, there's, a, there's a, a little ritual meditation, right, that's in our Mikyo training, right? It's, it's divided into four segments or four study areas, okay? So there's something called the Juhachi-do, right, the 18 fundamental ways. They're preparatory practices, okay? And everybody goes through that first, right? And then... Depending on whether we're focusing on Tendai, we're focusing on Shingon, two primary schools of, of Mikyo uh, in Japan. We're either going to focus on the Taizokai Mandala first, and then the Kongokai Mandala, right? So either the Material Realm uh, Mandala, right? They're on the wall behind me, right? So, uh, we're, okay, so Taizokai Mandala, right? Sorry, I'm looking at this backwards. Everything gets flipped, right? So Taizokai Mandala, right? The Material Realm, and that that is like the, the, the crux of the training, right? That's like 90% of everything, right? And then we jump to the universal matrix, right? The, the Kongokai mandala. And that helps us to kind of fine-tune things and look at things from a different kind of inside-out perspective, right? So in Tendai, uh, we're, I'm sorry, in Shingon, we're looking at, um, no, in, in Tendai, sorry. In Tendai, we're looking at the, the hell of my mandala. We're looking at the Taizokai, right? The material... Uh, human realm looking out at the universe, kind of realm first, right? And then we look at the universal uh, to kind of get an idea, a full, complete picture of the microcosm, macrocosm, right? In Shingon, it's backwards. In Shingon, uh, and that's these bundle up here, right? In Shingon, we look at the Kongokai, the universal principles first. That takes up 80, 90% of our, our training. And then we jump to uh, the Taizokai, the, the, the human perspective, to kind of round things out. doesn't freaking really matter which way you go. Okay. Um, way back in the day, it might have mattered, right? But because of all the trading of information and things back and forth and, and all that kind of stuff, right? It's like buying two jars of, two jars of spaghetti sauce, right? It's the same freaking ingredients, right? But there might be a little bit more emphasis on one thing or another or whatever, right? But it's ultimately all, all the same, right? It doesn't really matter which way you do it as long as you get the complete lessons. Anyway, right? And then we've got this GOMA kind of thing. And there's seven levels of, of training in that to, to, to do all this fine-tuning work. Anyway, back to the Juhachi Do, these 18 fundamental or preparatory practices. One of those involves reaching into a little container and taking a pinch of powdered incense, okay, and placing it on your tongue. There's more to this whole thing. This is like half of it, right? But we take a pinch of this, and you place it on your tongue, and you taste it. Right, and you think to yourself, "This is the taste of truth." And anybody who's ever done this, right, no matter how nice that incense smells, just powdered incense um, smells. It's very aromatic in and of itself, right? A lot of incense it smells one way when it's on the stick or it's it's pounded into a stick or whatever. But once you light it, you get a different scent, right? But it's supposed to be pleasant. It's supposed to be. Um, you know, it has its own unique smell, whether it's cedar or patchouli or sandalwood or, or whatever, right? Um, but taste it, okay? It's bitter as crap, right? It's just, okay? But that's the point, okay? There's a reminder that this is the taste of truth. Truth is bitter, okay? You don't have to like it, okay? But it doesn't make it what it is. The reason that truth is bitter is because it, it's run, it's slamming you 
it's, it's, it's running in direct conflict to what you want to believe because that belief is comfortable. Okay? The reality is life is messy. Combat is messy, right? Which is why uh, that should be the last option, right? Uh, I also believe in me. Maybe I'm a little tainted because I used to wear a badge and a uniform and all that. Uh, but I also believe that uh, we should be paying police officers more than we do. Okay, And the reason for that has to do with value. It ha doesn't have to do with me having been a police officer or I think my cop friend should be paid more or whatever. Right? It's a recognition of value. And I, I use this same, uh, this same uh, snippet, right? Uh, in in uh, all self-defense presentations, workplace violence, women's self-defense, which matter of fact, I'm going to be doing uh, two of those coming up here pretty soon. Uh, but this is a part of that presentation, okay? Um, it has to do with value. And if you think about it, right, if we take no action or the action we take, right, to develop the skill sets to make sure that somebody has a very, very difficult time beating, breaking, or killing us, okay? Whatever that is, we're establishing kind of a value, okay? And here's, here's where it kind of runs into police work, right? We as a society, okay, not counting the people that would like the police to go away, okay? And usually they have their own agenda for wanting the police to go away, right? Criminals would love for police to go away. Right. Um, but then they'd have to face a lot of us that are going to face them at our front door. Right. But either way. Right. As a society, as a culture and in each country, it's different. Right. But we decide on the annual salary. Right. Of a police officer. And that's going to be different local county. And I'm speaking from my area. That's going to use whatever words match your, your place in the world. Right. But it's going to be different for local uh, county. Uh, state or provincial or uh, federal or whatever, right? But but there's this established, uh, you know, lowest point, highest point kind of thing, given rank, given years in service, whatever, right? But there's this thing, right? Um, I haven't followed it uh, really well because I've been out of the game for a while. But uh, back in the day, right, the last time I looked at these things, right, uh, for a local police officer, okay, the annual salary, and I'm, I, hopefully it's better. Hopefully it's way, way better, right? But the local salary was riding just under $30,000 a year, okay? And regardless of what we think as to whether that's a good one or a bad one or whatever, it doesn't matter, right? My point is that we have a step, we as a, as a, as a society, right? As, as collective taxpayers, uh, voters, whatever, right? We've decided that the value of a police officer's life is let's say $30,000, okay? And it's different in different places, right? In some places, 50, 80, 125, whatever, right? But we've given it a value, right? But who gave the value? People that take no action, they take no responsibility for their own safety, right? And in, when I was in the military, right? right? A, a private, right, an E1, E zero, right? Had a value of zero. Yeah, I know we gave him a paycheck, right? But a general was given a different value, right? And, you know, certain officers or high ranking non commissioned officers or whatever had a certain value. And that value 
usually was associated with how close they were to the front lines, right? How close they were to being in danger, okay? The higher the value, the more they could command things and direct things, but the less direct danger they were in. The lower the value, right? Just like on a chessboard, the pawn, right? The lower the value, the more... <laughs> The, the closer they were to the actual shit happening, right? The bullets flying, the grenades going off, the artillery falling around them, all that kind of stuff, right? It's a value for value. It's a value for, or it's a, it's a risk to value kind of thing, right? But here we are in society, right? And so this is what's always confused me, right? People expect cops to show up and catch bullets or take care of the bad guys for them or deal with their crappy neighbor or whatever, right? But they've assigned a value of zero to themselves. I know they wouldn't say it this way, okay? But if they're not doing anything to increase their skill set, their ability to protect themselves, the, the, their loved ones and all that, right? They've assigned a value of zero, right? To, but they, they want the guy to come that, you know, is supposed to catch the bullets, right? They've assigned this other, you know, dollar value. So it's, it's just this weird thing, right? So my point that I'm getting to here is what kind of value have you, have you assigned to yourself? Look at this thing here. Uh, okay, well, I need to nick somebody on here because uh, they decided that they're not, they don't need to be on here. So let me find this and make that happen. And that's easy. Okay. So, uh-oh. Uh-oh. There we go. Sorry about that, guys. Okay. Um, I, need to I need to hire somebody as a filter for this stuff so uh, we don't end up with douchebags trying to hijack just like uh, last episode. Okay. So there it is. Let's see if I can find this right here. Perfect. There it is. All right. That's easy. I don't put people in a timeouts. I got. All, I have all these options and stuff. I don't put people in a timeouts and, and give them little things or whatever. I just make it all go away. So there we go. Perfect. I apologize for the thing that popped up on the screen. I hit the wrong button. All right. So uh, keep your politics to yourself. Okay? I have my own. I don't share those with anyone. Okay? It's nobody's damn business. Okay? Um, and and here's that thing. For those of you who saw this kind of thing pop up, right? Um, I appreciate that you have your, your opinion, but what are you doing to change things? Because if all you're doing is posting on social media, you look like just you just look like all the other douchebags that are posting their opinions. And we all know about opinions, right? Okay. So anyway, all right, we'll let that go. Uh, let's see. Got that. All right. So um, anyway, so this is a value thing, right? Um, so, but but the, the focus of, of today's uh, episode, right, really is about um, success and, and things like that, right? So, uh, there, I, I keep mentioning this, and I'm, I'm going to go back to something I started with, right? Um, my contention for a long time is that ninjutsu is not a real martial art, right? And I know how that just like wigs people out, right? It's 
But if you think about martial arts and you think about the way people think about martial arts, right? It's about going to, to, to this space. I don't care if it's in a field or somebody's backyard, a garage, an actual dojo, uh, the YMCA in a, in a back room or whatever, right? But what's, what's 95 to 98% of the training? What is it, right? It's physical skills, right? Ducking punches, ducking kicks, breaking boards, uh, whatever, right? Uh, learning these skills, how to do joint manipulation and all that, right? Um, but what about the philosophy, right? In, in, in most of the martial arts that I studied, right? Uh, that was the primary. And then the stuff they talk about, right? The life benefits, discipline and respect and all that, they were almost treated like they were, it wasn't like the teacher didn't teach on that stuff, but it was like they were side effects, right? But if you look at the history of the ninja, right? It's very, very different, right? There's this life, life philosophy. Look at the Togakure school, right? You have these 18 levels of training. You actually have 36, but you have 18 levels of training. And the first one, right? The first level of training or first area of training is Seishin Teki, okay? Seishin Teki Kyoyo. Kyoyo just means uh, knowledge or body of knowledge or teachings, uh, that kind of thing, right? Kind of the education side of things, right? Seishin Teki, right? Has to do with personal clarity, personal refinement, right? Making yourself a solid, successful person. Right, Hatsumi Sensei has taught on this stuff over the years. Right, uh, uh, even uh, Manaka Sensei, uh, when he split away and, and created his Jininkan, uh, I don't know as much about the Genbukan, but I would bet that at Shoto Tanamura, uh, teaching the same way. Right, there's this thing about success. Right, but Hatsumi Sensei has taught that it is our duty, it's our responsibility to become successful. Right, sometimes he's even used a word that really triggers people. Right, it's your duty to become rich. Okay, see, told you, right? Automatically that causes some people's brains to just lock up or them to become defensive or whatever, or they just, you know, get that knot in the throat, that lump in the throat, that knot in the chest or whatever, right? Because they've got this, these, these beliefs in prior programming and all that about rich people or, you know, I'm not going to become that, that, like that asshole or whatever because they're all, they're all manipulative, deceptive, uh, whatever. Pick names, pick, you know, whatever, okay? But that's that dichotomy. That's that that that, um, that us here against them there kind of mentality, right? And if you don't think that happens, uh, you know what happens when you start thinking about if I were to throw out the the term uh, or the, the a sentence like uh, Taekwondo is better than Ninjutsu, or name any martial art Aikido, Gojudo, whatever, right? Okay, immediately these walls start to pop up. Right? Because ego has already determined, right? Or there's this belief. You were either you were given the programming or the belief, or you established it because this is what you do, right? But the success thing is no different, okay? Who is more positioned to change the world? People that have extra resources or people that don't, okay? So before we jump into that and talk about how this whole idea of comfort, right? And if you're comfortable where you are, you're less likely to become more or to, to, to accomplish this high-end goal that you really want to accomplish, right? Before we do that, let me tell you something else a different mentor told me, right? And this really locked my brain up because I, this, this was, this flew right in the face of my own programming. Okay. I'll talk about some of that programming to go along just to make sure as we go along, just to make sure that uh, people understand what I'm talking about. Right. But what this mentor told me was, if you can be poor 
you can be rich. See? The hell does that mean? Wait, what? How, what? If I'm, if I can be poor, I can be rich. It made no sense. I, I had to ask, but wait. How, how can you even say that? Right? Because, well, you know, I'm not even going to go into how they can say it because they were already there. Okay. They were already well to do. I don't know if they would call themselves rich or whatever, but, but here's the thing, right? What he said was, look, think about all the skill sets that you have. Okay. If you can eat, put a roof over your head, you can juggle bills, right? You can figure out how to, I don't know, steal from Peter to pay Paul. You can still keep your family fed. You can, all these kind of things, right? With think, you know, poor, right? Or low middle class, whatever it is, right? Okay. Thinking that you're not that over there, right? If you can do all these things, then you have the same skill sets you need to be the other thing. And you have a lot more practice with it. What's stopping you is not skill sets, knowledge, ability, anything. What's stopping you is your belief as to whether you can be a master, become a black belt and needed to, be successful, be wealthy, be rich, whatever the terminology is that paints the picture of success. Okay? What it really comes down to at the very beginning is, right? and this is part of our first part of our student creed, I believe in myself, I am confident I can accomplish my goals. To believe that you are only capable or that you're stuck being this thing, and there's no chance in hell that you can be this thing because, you know, I don't have any money. There's no ninjutsu school in my in my town. Um, the powers that be are screwing over everybody, and they and they uh, you know can't be you know 80 percent of the millionaires in, in uh, the United States right now. Okay, started out as either poor or low middle class. Most don't have a college education, and um, they are first generation wealthy. So what do they have that everybody else doesn't have? They had the intent to do it, and they were smart enough to ask, what am I lacking? What do I need to get from here to there, right? But that comment, right, that, that whole thing about if you can be poor, you can be rich, right, this has nothing to do with, with whether you can or can't. Okay? Now, at this point in my life, I believe that 80% can't, but it has nothing to do with them being held back, uh, the man holding them back, White patriarchy. I don't give a shit what, what excuses people give. Okay. Cause I shouldn't be here doing this podcast. Okay. I was raised by a dad that was making some pretty good money and kept us freaking poor because he blew his money on dumb shit. You know how embarrassing it is to have a dad making what in the seventies? Let's see. Minimum wage was 265. Okay. He was making 16 to $18 an hour, and we lived in welfare housing. Why? Because he lied his ass off, okay? He lied on school voucher things for, for free lunches, right? And just burned our money. We drove around in a freaking jalopy, right? Because he just freaking squandered it. He bought dumb shit, blew it on things, didn't take care of his family, put nothing away, okay? And that's what we're... 
there's a difference between the way one mentality does things and the way another mentality does things. But the difference is that one mentality, sorry, we'll use this one over here. This mentality sees potential and sees, uh, let's see, when they're, when they're paying for training, right? They see it as an investment, right? And they, they, they recognize that they're working on this bigger thing, right? The return on investment is going to be bigger than what they're putting out in time, effort, resources, money, sacrifice, whatever, right? It's producing something bigger. What this group sees is that they're giving up something that they don't have a lot of, right? And I'm not saying that you have to have a lot of, okay? When I was a private in the army making, shit, what was I making? $700 a month, raising a family of uh, four, right? Me, my wife, and two kids. Um, I didn't have a lot either. So how the hell did I come up with the money to fly from Germany, what was then West Germany, to Philadelphia or New Jersey or Delaware or New York and then get from there to Dayton, Ohio to train for a week or, for, or a weekend, right? That could cost me anywhere between, oh, man, if it was a cheap one, we're talking early 80s, right? 75 to 100 bucks all the way up to 250 whatever, okay? Um, but all those expenses, right? How did I do that, okay? Because I sure, certainly didn't have the freaking money to take it out of my kid's mouth, my wife's mouth, whatever. How did I do that? Well, it was creative thinking, right? Sometimes I took a loan, a short-term loan, right? And then it came out of payroll deduction so that I only was missing $30 a paycheck over the course of a year to pay for this thing, right? Um, a lot of research into... Uh, cheap airfares and learning about things like consolidators or because I was in the military, we had space available, right? Or figuring out, right, uh, flight or bus, right, which was going to be cheaper in not just money, but time, effort, those kind of things, right? And figuring it out, okay? One of the primary principles across multiple lineages of the nine schools in the Bujinkan um, and also in primary techniques that, that a lot of other things point back to, right? A primary piece is to find the way, to figure it out. But there's so many people that they don't want to have to figure it out, right? You know the number of freaking emails I get? I know that was almost a full-on and I tried to tailor it, but anyway. The number of emails from people just whining, pissing, and moaning. Because they don't want to have to figure it out. They want me to figure it out. They want me to figure out how they're supposed to get to black belt or beyond. And no matter what kind of suggestions I give, because I did it, right, they think somehow I'm special, right? You don't understand, Sensei, because, right, um, you were born with a, you know, what, what, a silver spoon in my mouth? Not, okay? Uh, you were born with some kind of special abilities that I didn't have? Not. You were born or you have all, you didn't have all the limitations that I have. Really? Bite me. Okay? Not true. Okay? But no matter what I say, they've got yeah buts. Okay? So part of my thing as a teacher, because at a certain point, the training that I do, some is for me, right? But I had to do things like, I don't know, study psychology and, and, and why people think the way they do and, and human potential and those kind of things. Because I have to help students who they don't have to worry about the devil. They don't have to worry about the man. They don't have to worry about white supremacists. They don't have to worry about 
all the other bullshit that they blame, they're their own worst enemy. They need to look at, take a good hard look in the fucking mirror and figure out when, one, they need to figure out if this is really as important as they say it is. And two, when they're going to get off their ass and figure out how they're going to make it happen. Stop blaming the spouse. Stop blaming family responsibilities and duties. Do you have them? Yeah, of course you have them if you're married. If you have kids, of course you have them. Stop blaming the job. Do you have it? Yeah. Do you have a schedule? Do you have time constraint? Of course, right? So what are you going to do? How are you going to figure it out? The problem isn't lack of money. I'm not saying you have enough money to do it. You have any shit in your garage or in your basement or under your bed or whatever that you could do a yard sale? Do you have any knowledge that you could offer as lessons to other people looking for that knowledge? When was the last time you sent out a resume applying for jobs that would pay you more than you're getting now? When was the last time you put any money away for yourself to accomplish a certain goal? I know. See, I told you I was going to piss people off. Because this puts personal responsibility right back in your freaking lap. And it's not all of you. I know everybody that's on this one, you're, you're enlightened, right? Everything's perfect, okay? This is for the other people, right, that might bump into this later on, right? Or the guy that likes to post, uh, you know, his genitalia is bigger than everybody else because that's conducive to training. That's conducive to making his life better. Okay, so here's a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna pose a question, and I want you to I want you to think about the first word that pops to mind. Okay, it takes blank to make money, and this could this could be reworded for training or anything like that, right? So it takes blank to make money. Well, I could also say it takes blank to get training. It takes blank to go to a seminar. It's it. I'm betting that 99.9% .9 of the people that are listening to this, the first word that popped into your head was money. It takes money to make money. It's a common belief. We were probably taught that by mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, all of our mentors, all that kind of stuff, right? Because it's the number one excuse for people not making money, right? I need it to make it. Really? doesn't take money to make money. Somebody posted perseverance. I'll go along with that, okay? But I believe it's even deeper than that. Okay? And it goes back to the quote that I told you that I have hanging up in the dojo and I posted it as a, as a meme. Okay? It takes courage. It takes courage to get this training. For a lot of people, and this I don't understand. So my wife and I have a mutually beneficial relationship. But I can, I can remember other relationships that I were in um, because of programming that I got, right? Have you ever heard this one? If honey ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? Okay. I can see some of, I can already know that some of you are chuckling. Okay. Can your wife say the same thing about you? Or your spouse? I don't, if, you're, if you're a girl, right? It's the same thing. Right? If that can't, if that can't be said by both people, then you don't have a mutually beneficial relationship. If one person is walking on eggshells and looking to get permission from their partner as though the partner were a parent and they need to ask permission, 
but the other person doesn't? What the hell is that? That's actually cultural programming that's been around for like the, at least the last 40 years. I know it's supposed to counter the male-dominant douchebag that was abusing the family and they got to do everything and the family didn't. Okay? But, okay? now, I'm not saying that when something like something comes up, right, I don't go to my wife and say, hey, do we have anything planned? What's going on here, right? Um, I'm looking to do this kind of thing, right? I'm looking to go to Japan for two weeks or whatever, right? Um, is there anything in there, right? But also, see, I, I want to make sure there's balance. Shrey Sensei always says, good balance make, or good balance do, good situation make, in his good Japanese syntax for English <laughs> speaking, right? Okay? You need, you need to create balance, right? So you, as a part of your planning, you need to think ahead. So part of my discussion with my wife is, hey, I'm going to plan this uh, two-week trip to Japan, do we have anything else that we're doing that, I, you know, I need to steer around, okay, when I plan this? And to make it fair, right, um, hey, why don't you take some time and go someplace with your best friend or whatever? Um, also, right, because that's around our um, our anniversary time, uh, I'm, here's three places that I'd like to take you, okay, or three things that we could do. Pick one. It doesn't matter. Don't ask me which my preferences are or whatever, because this is about you, sweetie. Okay? So what do you want to do? Okay? And she does the same thing with me. As a matter of fact, she called me up. Actually, uh, did she call me? Yeah, she called me. Friday morning, this past Friday. We, we've been working really, really tough, really, really hard. Right? I do what I do, right? Work, uh, workplace violence consultant um, in the process of uh, writing another book. I do this, right? I've got classes to teach, uh, all kinds of stuff, right? So we're, we don't see each other a lot, right? And when we do, it's not often quality time and things start to stagnate, okay? So she called me on Friday morning and said, hey, um, what time do you work? So what, when are you done, right? So I'm, I'm done teaching classes at 7.30. I've got an enrollment scheduled. So I can probably be out of here by 8 o'clock. What's up? And she goes, I'm not sure yet. I don't have it all worked out. I'll let you know soon, but I, I, I'm working on a surprise. Okay, was it surprise involved? Well, it's, if it works out, right, um, when you're done, I'm going to need you to go home, make sure the dog's taken care of, all that kind of stuff, right? Grab an overnight bag, right, and let me know when you're ready to leave the house, and I'll tell you where to meet me. I love my life. Anyway, right, so, um, but I do the same thing, right? I'll call her on a, on a Thursday or Friday, or I'll even make arrangements where, you know, she, she runs, she runs a, a cancer clinic, right? Busy all the time. And then she also runs this project at another hospital, all kinds of stuff, right? She's a, a, a professor uh, for the University of Phoenix online. She's finishing up her own doctorate. So I don't want to hear shit from anybody that they don't have time, but really what they're doing is this. Oh, that was cool. That was funny. Let me share that with 50 of my friends. That was fucking awesome, man. I was like, oh, oh, I had an insight. Oh, let me tell everybody to just, like, screw off because, like, I don't like who the president is. That would be cool, right? That's a good use of my time, right? Let me do that, right? Uh, and then um, uh, what else can I do? Oh, yeah, let's binge watch uh, 15 hours of Netflix. Let's do that. 
Yeah, but I don't have any time, Sensei. I don't have any time, and I can't do like online training either because that's bullshit, right? Because if I can't go to a dojo, then like it's just bullshit, right? Except there's no dojo in my town, and I'm not freaking willing to go to a seminar or go to the teacher. I, I'm, I'm going to try to give them a sob story so they come to. Okay, so I understand where they're coming from, and I don't think any less of them as a human being. My problem is they believe so much of their bullshit that they're willing to attack me or other teachers because we don't understand. Maybe the problem is that we don't understand. Maybe the problem is that we do understand. Okay? This is a courage thing. The courage to do something different. The courage to maybe fall on your ass. The courage to go to your overly domineering spouse and say, hey, this is important to me, just like that thing that you do is important to you. Um, how do we work this out so that I can do this thing? The courage to want to be the best me I can be and be willing to lose friends or family members or whatever because I'm not doing this to harm anybody. I'm doing this to become the best me I can be. But you, you want to hold me? And I'm supposed to let that happen. This is not me telling you that you're supposed to be a dick. This is me telling you that you need to be courageous enough to do what is necessary to face the challenges to be this thing that you say you want to be. Because you know what? I'm not telling you anything right now that several teachers, one pretty fucking bluntly, didn't tell me when I was pulling the same bullshit three decades ago. Four decades ago. Three decades Whatever. I'm old. <laughs> About four decades ago. Okay? Why should you be different? Why should you be different than Atsumi Sensei when Takamatsu told him, best you're ever going to be is a gadfly, which is a, a shit-eating horse that flies around, or a shit-eating fly that flies around a horse's ass, or a cow's ass, or whatever. Okay? And here's a guy that had multiple black belts and all that, right? Yeah, he was pretty fucking pissed and indignant, too. How, how dare this guy? But you know what? At some point, you have to decide, you know what? It hurts like hell, but the teacher's right, and if I want the lessons, it's going to take some change. Okay? But remember the quote. The reason why most people are not successful, or I'll put this little caveat in, right, to not piss off the people that see themselves as successful, as successful as they want to be, as they dream of being, as they just, oh. Right? You know where that resentment comes from? From, it comes from hating people or being resentful because you're blaming them for you not getting it. And some of you guys who are teachers or mentors yourself, you know that this is true. Okay, I'm not. A lot of you guys have already sacrificed for this stuff, right? But you're you've got to listen to that shit. And I don't care if it's a coworker or a, or a, what do you call him, a junior or whatever that you're trying to help up, or your kid that wants to take the lazy route or wants you to do all the hard stuff or it's you do have students. We listen to this shit all the time. And we nod and we're understanding. Okay? I understand, I understand where the mentality comes from. Okay? I understand also what's keeping you where you are. And I also understand that as soon as I give you a lesson you don't want, I'm going to be the asshole, I'm going to be the devil, I'm going to be the... I, I get that. Okay? That's why I also say that being a teacher is a huge burden. It's not a badge of honor. And these teachers that walk around strutting their freaking chest out, 
Okay? They're just feeding their own ego because they need disciples. Anyway, all right, so the reason why most people aren't as successful as they want to be is because they've traded their commitment and their courage for comfort. Okay, so this requires commitment as well. Getting this thing, I am where I am and woefully behind where I think I should be. But I am where I am because I made a commitment to getting this above all else. Does that mean that this took precedence over my family? Sometimes. Not always. But it was so that I could be a better dad, a better protector, a better provider. So, yeah, sometimes selfishness had to override the other things. But there was also balance, right? Because when I come back from Japan or I come back from the seminar or whatever, yes, I've got a whole notebook of, of things to train with or whatever, but I'm going to spend time with the kids. I'm going to spend time with the wife. I'm going to, so they don't resent me going because there's balance. Okay. So, but commitment and courage. You have to be brave enough to go to your boss and say, yeah, I need time off. You have to be brave enough to not have a job when you get back. That happened to me once, right? I was a temporary worker. I was a temporary employee, if you know what those are, right? You're contracted from another company, right? Or you're hired part-time for a certain amount of time, right? Uh, we have a cannery local to us. And when I got out of the military, um, as I was setting up my, my uh, detective agency at the time, and I was setting up my martial arts school, I needed to pay the bills, right? So I took a job as a temp, right, as a, as a seasonal worker at this cannery, right? It's only supposed to be from like mid early to mid spring through like late summer, early fall, depending on the job that I was given. Right. And it's it's they went from a, a, a workforce of 200 full time people to six, 700 people during this high season when the stuff's coming out of the fields and it's getting processed and goes into the cans uh, and gets shipped out to the grocery store. So you can buy dinner for your family. Right. So not not nice work. It was dirty work. It was hard work, all that kind of stuff. Right. Was it beneath me? No, I had freaking bills to pay, right? And I needed to pay the bills until this other thing could kick in, right? But I ended up being the only, uh, the only temporary employee, the only seasonal employee that worked 52 weeks out of a year, well, 51 weeks out of a year because one week they shut down for hunting season because of the area that I live in, right? Um, and they did it because if they didn't, um, nobody would show up that week, right? I mean, that's how many hunters they hired, right? I didn't understand it then either. If you're a hunter, you probably understand it. I, I did not. Uh, now I do, I guess. But to me, that's still a, a company being hijacked um, by employees. So, you know, you want to run the show, start your own damn business. That's how I feel. But then I did that for myself. Anyway, so how the hell did I end up being, and not only did it, was I the only seasonal worker that should have only worked like, I don't know, what, four or five months, right? Six on the outside, right? Worked 12 months out of the year. Not only was I that, but I worked a, a position um, that was, it wasn't, it wasn't a supervisor's position, but like if I screwed this up, right? This is something something they usually put one of their full-time guys in. If, I screwed, if this got screwed up, like tons of product got wasted, Okay. I had a position that when new 
computerized and new equipment came in, I was trained on it first, and then I trained their full-time guys. Okay? How did that happen? Okay? Well, one, it happened because I did my job above and beyond what was expected. What you never heard coming out of my mouth was, they don't pay me enough for that. That's not my job. It needs to get done. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, as quickly and as correctly as possible, right? And I'm going to show them that I'm worth being here and I'm worth giving more responsibility to. But I had no, I had no, there was no, no, um, there was no prospect of be having a full-time job. And even if they had thought about it, I wouldn't have taken one. And I didn't. They offered me three times. Over the course of a year and a half, almost two years, they offered me a full-time position three times, and I turned them down. Because I was committed to starting two businesses, a martial arts school and a detective agency, which is now defunct, and now I do this consulting thing, right? That and their regular schedule, full-time, would have prevented me from going to two yearly seminars and these other regular ones that I needed time to go to, and that wouldn't have been allowed. Now, so how did I get this? Because I made myself more valuable, too valuable to get rid of. Now, why am I telling you that? This is not to ring my bell. It's to set up this next part, which I just said, right? Being brave enough to go and tell them I'm taking this time off because I'm going to this training event, which I need for me and my future, and... It was during a time that nobody was allowed time off. No one. Zero. Okay? Brave enough to go and tell them I was doing this. And if they didn't want me to come back in on Monday, just tell me now. Well, you can't take off. Okay? I heard that all the way up to reminding them till that Thursday, Wednesday, something like that. When I end the shift, I went, opened the door to the supervisor, and I said, Remember, this is that week that I'm gone. Um, do you want me to come in on Monday or not? Okay. All the way leading up to that was, if you do that, don't come back. I open the door and I say, you want me to in on Monday or not? See you on Monday. See you on Monday. And I'm out. Okay. Now, you can't do that if you're just a freaking average employee. You can't do that if you're just coming in and clocking in and doing bare minimum to not get fired. See, most people would describe it as, I'm going in and working what I'm supposed to do, right, so I can keep my job. But that's not what people do. They do just enough to not get fired, not just enough to keep their job. It's different. And trust me, the way I'm defining this is different. Okay? So... I just, I set things up so that it was a win-win. I was too valuable. And again, this, don't take this as ringing my bell. This is a work ethic thing. This is a, this is a recognition that I knew and I know marriage, family, friendships. When I help another, when I help another company, why the hell would, would Nissan North America let a guy come in for three days and expose weaknesses in their security thing, and they had no idea who this guy was. All they had was the word from somebody else that, hey, um, he might be able to show you something. In a world of security specialists, why would they let come in? Because I offered to fly down and do the initial consult for three days on my dime. 
they didn't have to pay me. What are you, nuts? No. How else am I going to convince a multinational corporation that already has a ton of shit together and could hire anybody that I was worth them listening to unless I did something to get in the door to show them my value? And besides that, it took a little bit. Was I scared? Oh, you have no idea. Making those, talking to the head of corporate security for the entire Nissan North America thing where they have so many plants in, in, um, in Canada, across the United States. I was going to deal with the three primary manufacturing locations in Smyrna and in, um, what was the other one? Deckard. And I didn't make it to the one in Mississippi because uh, something happened in, in the process, right? Um, did that take me? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Hey, uh, we're scheduled to talk. Um, and uh, of course, of course. But it was worth doing. This is what warriors do. In the face of fear, you do what needs to be done to get to the new level. In the face of fear, or maybe finding out that you're just full of shit, you confront your prior, prior programming, your belief system, all that stuff, right? Um, oh, you know what? Hold on one second. Well, more than a second. I'll be right back. Sorry, no just good afternoon. All right, hopefully you can still hear me. All right, here I am. I'm back. All right, so I, brought, I kind of brought this up uh, last episode, but I was in my home office and I didn't have all this stuff, right? So um, there's something I was alluding to, right? A lot of you guys, right? This is already going to freak some people out because they think they're going to burn it down because they're, they're looking at something here, right? So I brought up this, this thing called the Sedan of the 13 Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Okay? This is very, very common. You can find this in Japan, okay? So um, this actually, historically, predates the... Taizokai and the Kongokai Mandala, okay? You went from 13 key figures to nine, right, to five, okay? It just kept getting pared down. But um, and this is used uh, exoterically or, or conventionally. This is used uh, as a way to um, do prayers and meditations and all that kind of stuff for a loved one that, that passed. And, I mean, if you do the process the way it's supposed to happen, this is 60 years worth, Okay. <laughs> That's dedication and commitment to your family members. Anyway, um, but actually, on another level, uh, this is the path to enlightenment. And I, it, it looks like it's a it looks like it's a path this way, but it's actually a circle. It, it loops back on itself. Okay. Um, so, and I apologize to those of you who are listening uh, on Apple or one of the other podcast networks or whatever, and it's all audio. Okay. Um, what I'm going to suggest is that you do a Google search for this character Fudomyo. Fudo, F-U-D-O, Mio, M-Y-O hyphen O-H, right? Fudo Mio, right? Fudo means immovable, and Mio um, means like light king, light queen, light ruler, that kind of thing, right? But it's his character, right? So there's supposed to be like, what's implied is there's 13 Buddhas and Bodhisattvas on here, right? What's important for you to understand is that 
defined through the lens of Mikyo, right, the esoteric or the hidden side of things, a Buddha is not something out there that you pray to. A Buddha is a state of mind, okay? A Bodhisattva, right, in, in uh, esoteric Buddhism, uh, it's the, like the equivalent of a saint or a teacher or whatever, right? It's somebody that sacrifices their own enlightenment, uh, and they're not going to cross through the threshold until they've helped everybody else make it, right? So it's it's they, they actually attain enlightenment through uh, the process of self-sacrifice. But either way, right? Um, the Bodhisattva, from the Mikyo perspective, is the activities that are either born from an enlightened mind or that are necessary to produce a certain state of insight, wisdom, that kind of thing, right? Um, but there's this little thing. There's 13 characters on here, but this first one, Fudomyo, okay? Fudomyo, you can see this guy, right? He's got fangs. He's, like, surrounded by flames. He's not actually surrounded by flames. The flames are actually crackling off his skin. It's the inner fire exploding out, right? Okay? So put this down nicely. Okay? So it's, it's our internal fire, right? It's our commitment to make things happen, right? And when we're on fire, right, figuratively, right, <laughs> we're on fire, right, any obstacles that come, that come in, any excuses for people or whatever, I, whoa, 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 no, I don't want to hear it, right? Because you're just, you're just going to make it happen, right? It's kind of like uh, when I was a cop, right? Like if I was dealing with somebody and they came at me with a bunch of bullshit and excuses or what, whoa, 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 stop. Oh, if you, whatever I need to do to stop this from happening, because you don't get to talk at the moment, right? I need to sort things out. There'll be a time for you to talk. I know. It sounds like I'm being an arrogant ass, except that I need to cut to the chase here and figure out if there's danger, where it is and where it's going to come from and what it's going to look like. I don't have time to hear all this chaotic shit that's flying around. Your argument doesn't get to keep going while I'm here. Okay. I can't resolve it if you two keep talking. Stop. Okay? So, but it's this thing, right? It's the same thing uh, with the dojo, right? COVID got in the way. We got shut down for a long time and all that, right? I am literally on fire now because this school will not die. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Not just the words. This school will not die. It's too important to this community to give people the mindsets and stuff that conventionally they're not getting from teachers, role models, parents, or whatever, right? What they're getting is you can't have your cake and eat it too. What that really means is your dreams are nice, but it's time to grow up and put that shit away, right? And just be as miserable as the rest of us, okay? Um, you know, you'll, you, you can't be rich, right? You're a part of, there's the haves and there's the have-nots, and unfortunately, you're not in the haves, Okay? There's all kinds of stuff, right? Um, we don't become managers, right? Uh, we're a blue-collar family. Right? All kinds of shit, right? Just think about all that stuff, right? Um, just like you were born this. You were, really? I didn't think we had a caste system, okay? But ex except when you were little, right? Now, remember, don't let anybody ever tell you that you can't be or do whatever you want. Don't you ever let anybody tell you that. You can be anything you want when you grow up. And then you grow up and you become a teenager, yeah, you can't have your cake and eat it too, okay? Nice dream, bud. Get to work, okay? Oh, you want to be what? <laughs> yeah, this family doesn't go to college. No, 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 okay. Uh, start putting applications in, right? Burger flipper, whatever. And they may not have used those words, but you know what I'm talking about, okay? And you know what I'm talking about because if you look back to when you started looking at careers, how many of us looked at it 
from the perspective of the difference we could make or the value you we're bringing or we're, we're bringing. That's not even the way the process is, is led, right? Okay. Very often, we kind of pick from things that like, ooh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I, that I can do, that, that I can do, that I can do, that I can do. I'm not smart enough for that. I'm not. Well, only wealthy people become that. Only right. I'm not a. I'm not a douche, so I'm not going to be that. I'm, whatever. Okay. So very weird stuff, right? And sometimes the people that do do it from their heart, right? Then later they lament because they're not wealthy, or they don't have enough influence. Yeah, but you pick the job. I have an ex who picked a job because. It was an easy in for women, and the pay, that was, that was acceptable, okay? And then she got in it and was no different than the people under her that watched the clock all day long, okay? What's important? Easy in to get into this field that pays well, and you can live a certain life that you want to live, or you want to be doing something that you love, but it doesn't pay so well. Okay, great. It, that doesn't pay so well. You can still do this thing, but what else can you do to supplement that to grow these other things so that you can do the cool stuff you want to do? Right? Everybody's all freaking wishy-washy. Right? Commitment to a goal. What is it that you want? Commit to doing it, and then start executing. Hopefully you have a plan. Right? If you don't have a plan, don't reinvent the wheel. Go find somebody else that's done the same thing. Figure out what they did. Now, the problem with that is, okay, they, they did like 26 things to get there, but I don't like number nine, I don't like number 14, and I don't like number 26. I just, I, I can't do that. Well, then, potluck, dude. Good luck in making it. You know what? Very few of us like being slammed into the ground to develop our ukemi to the level that we developed it, but we're really glad that we did because once we got that, then we can learn the cool counters to that thing, but everybody wants to learn counters. But, you know, can, can I learn this stuff without being taken to the ground? Can I learn this stuff without getting a bruise? Can I let... You can learn stuff, but are you going to learn it to the degree that you want to have it? Or are you going to be like a bunch of these people running around in this system, or in a lot of other systems, right, where it's a belt factory or whatever, right, where you can look in their eyes. And those of us who have been there, have been in hell, dealt with things, don't ever want to go back, right? But know what that's like and know what it, what somebody looks like and how they carry themselves, who've been there too. We can recognize our own, right? When we can look in their eyes and know not a violent bone in their body. Not that they have to be violent all the time, but that one time out of their entire life that it might be necessary Great, you you got all the skills. Cool, you got a cool belt. You got this really high level, right? You get the certificates on the wall. Fantastic. That doesn't say anything about whether or not you're going to piss yourself when the when the moment comes. And I hope it never does for anybody. I really, really do. Anybody that's ever been there, really been there, not has stories, right? Ones that are carrying pieces, or they left some pieces behind. I don't mean physical. That could be too, but I mean, okay. They never want to go back. They have lots of reasons why peace is better. Now, if we get there 
and I don't have any other choice, then I don't have any other choice. But commitment, commitment, courage, right? Anyway, right? But it's this comfort thing, right? It's this, it's this comfort thing, right? I have, I, <laughs> I have bumped into enough students and enough peers and enough people in the world that wanted to have more money. They wanted to take this really cool or lavish vacation or go visit this other place in the world or whatever, right? that was going to need more resources. It was going to need that they negotiate with boss or family or whatever, right? They were going to have to come up with more stuff that never made it. And the reason for that is they didn't have an imperative need to do it. Like their life wasn't on the line, right? So they could, they could be reasonable. And reasonable sounds like this. I'd really love to do that, but you know what? We're, I'm doing really well with this, right? And, and so I could visit those other, you know, these places that are closer and all that. I could do that, right? So, I mean, I, oh, that would just, oh, man, I'd love to do that. But I'll be okay if I make it to this, right? I'd love to be a 10th degree in Houston, but if I just got my black belt, I'd be happy. What is it about 10th degree? What is it about this? What will you be able to produce? What will you, right? Comfort. As long as we're comfortable and we don't have an imperative reason, that's why, that's why I truly do believe my one mentor who said, if you can be poor, you can be rich, right? Because people that are scraping to get by and don't know where, even the ones that don't know where the next meal's coming from or whatever, man, do they have to be creative. Man, do they have to do things that they don't like doing, but they have to. They want to embarrass themselves sitting out on a street corner with a freaking plate or a, or a cup and a sign, right? That, oh, please, I just need a meal. I haven't eaten in five days, Right? As long as we know where our next meal is coming from, as long as we have that level of black belt that we have, as long as we have training, as long as we're doing something, as long as, as long as, as long as, as long as 80% of the people who want to do this are comfortable, they're never going to make it. Their dreams will remain that. And their dreams will turn into resentment and the dreams will turn into, on their deathbed, the, the, if I were 20 years younger, I would, should, could, I would do this stuff all over again. Sorry, Bubba, that's not the way life works. Okay? So, when, when I restarted this, this Kuden thing, right, with, what was it, episode 68, right, I started off with this origin story about this, this person. It's supposed to be a, Role models, supposed to be a protector, supposed to be all these things, right? That I had to, I had to live through, right? To get, and, and that's why I became a, a cop and a security guy and why, how I got into martial arts and all that kind of stuff, right? But all of these things, right? These, all of these things are on the same timeline, right? Please, 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 please do not see me as somebody on a pedestal that walked out of a spaceship or walked out of a, a pyramid or walked out of a, a golden glowing womb or whatever, 
already there. I'm not expressing anything that one, I wasn't guilty of at some point on this path. Two, didn't need the kick in the ass to get the alignment adjusted. And three, that I'm not still working on to some degree. Because it never stops. It never stops. How much is enough? And this is not about greed. This is about the more I know, and there's, there's an old Chinese, I think it's an old Chinese uh, uh, quote or saying that goes, the more I know, the more I know what I don't know. So if you're working the process, right? Yes, I can look back and go, oh man, I've come a long way. Two, I'm never going back. Three, if I did end up back there, I've got the skill set. See, it doesn't require a house and a car and tons of money and all that. It's the skill set. It's also the personality traits that I can rebuild things all over again. Right? Four, I'm not done. Right? Because the more, if I'm working the process, the more I learn, the more I know, the more things I get exposed to that I didn't know. Shit, I didn't know you could do that with a roll. I didn't know that those two things were connected. Oh, man. I never thought about somebody coming at me that way. There's all these things, right? The older I get, right? Now, one, I don't believe in retirement because retirement is just settling or kicking back and settling with what you've accumulated. It's only going to last for so long. And most people haven't accumulated shit, and they're going to end up living on 60% of the highest paycheck they ever got, at least in our system and the way this one works, right? So how do I want to live, right? Will I be able to afford my own medications, right? Or am I just going to be bitching and moaning because the government isn't giving me something to live on, right? What, what, what happened to my personal responsibility for me? All that stuff is great, but who the hell wants to rely on handouts, right? If we did away with all that and went back to a to a uh, a natural reality kind of thing, where some faceless person wasn't cutting a check and dropping it into a into the mail, and that money that backed that thing didn't come from other faceless people, right? If I had to do what the system has removed, if we go back to nature, then I would have to do what 80% or better have to do or would have to do. You know what that is? Or some money. Do you, do you have like leftovers from your meals? Can, um, can I stay with you for a while? No? This are supposed to be becoming self-sufficient. I gotta tell you folks, one, I hit myself hard, not, <laughs> I hit myself hard when I slip. Nobody, no one holds me to a higher standard than I do. No one. And I hold my students to the same standard that I do. That's why I give you suggestions. Okay? Sometimes our conversations are a little bit more heated. 
but you're still, you're a grown up. Do whatever the hell you want. Right? But I would ask you, when you have your excuses, explanations, reasoning, all those kind of things, I'm just going to ask you the same thing one of my mentors asked me. How's your fucking program working for you? Working, working for you. How's it working? You're not going to do somebody else's program or do a program that's stronger or, or whatever or, or produces better results. How's your program working for you? And if you say, well, yeah, pretty good, I'm okay, then you settled. Nijutsu, according to the past masters, this is about becoming a no-limits person. Knowing what your limitations are, but being able to apply those limitations as strengths anyway. It's one thing to know what your strengths are and hang out there, but it's a whole different thing to know what your limitations are, your true limitations, not the ones, not the line that you drew and you went, okay, hey, after that, I'm not. Okay? Knowing what they are and then being able to use them as a strength anyway. Okay? Just, this is about being a no limits person. This is about being a successful person. Okay? I remember one article, I can't, I, I have a, Every, every magazine, book, whatever that I ever picked up along the way, including magazines, there might have been one article in there, right? I have these things in binders in my one room, right? Every single one of them from 1980, something like that, forward, I have them all, okay? Not selling them, right? I have them. I could digitize them and all that kind of stuff, but there's something about actually holding a book and that transfer of knowledge and all that, right? Anyway, I know some of you guys like digital. That's fine, right? I produce a lot of stuff in digital. Whatever, okay? Uh, but there's this one article that Hatsumi Sensei uh, had written that uh, talks about, I think the title is something like, to be called a ninja is to be called a lady or a gentleman. To be identified as a ninja is to be identified as a very high-level person. Remember, I talked about this in, in previous episodes, right? We are all trained to be jonin. To be a jonin, to travel in bigwig circles, to really know what's going on in your realm, means that you need to have the wherewithal to fit in with them. Right? It's just, how do you do that? And to do good in the world, right? You know, how many people just resent Elon Musk because he, like, makes billions. But most people have no idea what Elon Musk lives on. Because if you look at the projects he's involved in, those billions are being transferred into these projects. And some of his projects fail, which means he lost millions, billions. Okay? I, I just did this exercise with somebody the other day. Um... If you made $1,000 a day, you would make $365,000 a year, okay? In the Western world, one of the agendas is to get everybody to hate the 1%. Like, it's just this finite group of people that run everything, except there's the one-tenth of 1%, okay? The 1%, to be in the 1% in the Western world. I'm just going to borrow a number from the, from the U.S. because that's where I am, right? To be making $365,000 a year puts you in the 
I know. Everybody was thinking about millions and billions, weren't you? Okay. $365,000 a year. So most doctors that are making $300,000 or better are in the 1%. Okay. So let's just use the number, $365,000. Okay. Now there are a couple of really crappy states in our, in our union, right? But I'm going to borrow, uh, uh, Pennsylvania here, right? Okay. 40% of that is going to go to taxes. Okay. Now, before anybody starts talking about what somebody's fair share is, because they're usually talking out of their ass or they're just regurgitating, uh, uh, what do you call them? Um, talking points, right? What is that? The government's going to reach in and pull. Now, if you live in another country with way higher taxation, <laughs> sorry, right? Anyway, 40%. So $140,000 of your $365,000 uh, income just went to the government in some form, local, state, provincial, federal, whatever, $140,000. So you stop me when we get to that person's fair share, okay? Now, if this person is smart and they know that they're not going to be able to work past a certain point, but they need to maintain a decent level of living, they're going to need to squirrel away for a good, like if they're living the same lifestyle they're living, um, you know, through their work years, right? Oh, and by the way, for those of you who dream of making a million, Okay, and resent everybody that's a millionaire. Did you know that if you make a decent living, right? Now it has to be over minimum wage, but not more than like fifteen to twenty dollars an hour, and you work forty years, you'll make a million dollars. The problem is, is that you didn't keep a million dollars, and most of that million got spent on dumb shit. And I don't mean food and shelter and kids' education and stuff like that, but it, it's actually a million five from womb to cradle to college for a kid these days. So anyway, right? So uh, if this person is smart, right? If they're mm, fairly conscious, they'll put 10% away, right? More than that, 20%, right? But if they want to maintain a similar lifestyle through their retirement years, they have to put 40% away, which is what? Another $140,000. So that three sixty five, two hundred eighty thousand dollars is gone, because that the first one forty, Uncle whoever, Uncle Australia, Uncle Sam, whatever, right, gets this thing, right. The other is what I call touching. I'll break your face, money. That means if you dip into that, I'm going to hurt you, because that's for my future. And the longer medicine helps us live past retirement age. Okay, so what is that person who's making three hundred sixty-five thousand dollars? If they're smart, actually living on seventy, eighty thousand. Okay, so we're talking fair share, right? Oh, and by the way, the people in the one percent don't get a tax refund. They don't get refunds. People who get refunds get a lot of their money back, so they really didn't contribute as much as was taken out of their paycheck because they're getting a rebate. It's not a refund. A refund would be everything coming back. It's a rebate, right? And some get more because of all the extra credits. So who's paying their fair share? The ones who get a lot of their money back, or some getting all their money back, right? Or the ones who don't get any of their money back but are contributing 
a big old friggin' chunk. Maybe that should be taught in school and not just, you know, hate certain people. I have to recognize that as the school does better, as my businesses do better, as whatever, right? Okay. And I, I know that people resent that I go to Japan. Oh, you must be so, you're so lucky you get to go to Japan. Really? You know what that cost me? To make sure the school's going to run as if I were there. My family's taken care of, right? Flight, time off. That, that. Really? Lucky. Sorry. That's a freaking reward of following a plan and making things happen. But that's also a cost, right? Because it cost me $4,000 for a two-week trip to Japan because of the amount of training I do, the side trips I do for uh, historical research, and all that kind of stuff, right? Four grand, minimum, okay? Four grand, okay? I have to make that above and beyond living expenses for family, keeping the lights on and the rent paid and everything for the day, all that stuff. Car payments made, all that stuff, okay? But when I spend it, not done, it's not buying dumb shit. Well, you went to Japan, oh, just whatever, right? If that was an investment, because that's an educational trip for me. It's what allows me to be better, which is the same thing that everybody should be seeing their tuition or their bought a training program or whatever. Maybe if they saw it as an investment and it was part of a commitment to be better, it wouldn't sit on a damn shelf or it wouldn't be hanging out on their hard drive. I'll get to it when I, you know. I don't need to spend that. I'll just surf around on YouTube. Look at all that. All that stuff's free. Yeah. Who's right? Who's bullshitting? And besides that, you could binge watch YouTube ninja two videos just like you can binge watch Netflix. How much training? How much actual stuff are you doing to actually integrate that stuff and be? And where's the commitment? What types of attackers are you training to not die at the hands of? What threats? Because in ninjutsu, it's not just physical threats. The whole freaking world shut down because of a virus, something we can't even see. And a bunch of us were shitting our pants. Some of us, me included, this is why I ended up kicking my ass coming out of this COVID. We're able to hold our own, but I couldn't grow because I forgot some lessons. Anyway, all right, let me see if anything else popped in here other than uh, whatever. Uh, let's see. Uh, questions, comments, right? We're well, not quite an hour and a half into this thing, but I want to wrap this thing up. So questions, comments, for whatever reason, the either the chat stopped or people hung up or I pissed them off and they went away or whatever. Anybody still on? Any, any questions, any comments? We'll start calling names. Let me just ask this. Who is now in deep thought about next steps? Who knows where you came up short? Who knows where, oh shit, I'm doing pretty good. Who knows that, or just realized that they settled for being reasonable 
instead of, see, here's the thing. Here's my goal for all of my students, which is why these lessons come out, right? One of the lessons or one of the reasons for these things, okay? And I don't care if I'm teaching one of my youth students or I'm teaching one of the adults. When it comes to goal setting, I want to help you develop a mindset that you are willing to set goals for yourself. And the moment you set it, you have no freaking idea how you're going to make it happen. But you know that you will. That is a mindset. Not, man, I want to do that, but you know what? I'd be happy if I made this. Or, oh, that's just greedy. That's just bullshit. I mean, who can make that happen? Right? I'm, this, this is cool, man. If I make that, I'll be, I'll, I'll be, I'll be in the 1% of the 100% of the people that, that train, right? I'll be way ahead of everybody else. Not about everybody else. What do you want? If you want to be comfortable, fantastic. Just tell me and I'll review your videos and all that kind of stuff so that that's, tell me what's good enough for you. I'll act just like Hatsumi Sensei. That's good. Awesome. You're right on the money. If you have no plans, right? There was a quote by a guy named Zig Ziglar. He was a, uh, a sales coach, but he also became like a, a life coach for a lot of people, right? He said, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it 100% of the time. Do you want to be training in ninjutsu? Or do you want to be a ninja in all that that means? Do you understand the difference? Do you want to be training in ninjutsu or do you just want to focus on one aspect of it? Do you want to just keep compartmentalizing your life and not utilize all the lessons that have literally been handed to us? Well, they weren't handed. Sometimes people had to crawl off of a battlefield and recover before they could pass it on. Do, do you want to do you, do you want to do you want to settle? Do you want to give up on yourself? I know these are pretty harsh questions. You do know that we're all role models, right? We are all role models, whether you set out to be a role model or not. I want you to think about this as we sign this off. Someone in your life is looking at you and either thinking or feeling this. I want to be just like them. You don't have to set out to be a role model. You don't have to set out to be a teacher. You are teaching with everything you say, every movement you make, every decision you make, every goal you achieve or, or give up on, everything. Okay. People who want to settle, guess who their role models are? Lazy shitheads lay around on the couch and don't get anything done. Oh, man, that's a life. Man, that's how I want to live. Okay? People that want to just, like, just blow it out of the water, right? They need to seek out role models. The role models that I have, the teachers that I have, Make me look like shit. Make me look like I'm just lazy and don't get anything done. Right? Themselves with the things they produce, right? 
make me feel like I need to step it up. Okay. If your so-called role models, here's one that, here's one that kills me, right? Okay. My mom never said this because most of you who know my story, right? Um, I love my parents because they produce the guy that I am today, but not on purpose. Okay. But my grandmother, my mom's mom, no matter pass or fail, nothing, right? Okay. It's okay, Jeff. I love you just the way you are, which is awesome, but it doesn't breed success. It breeds good enough. It's great. She's passed away a bunch of years ago. I still hear the words in, her, in my ear. It's okay. That's okay. You did your best. I love you just the way you are. My grandfather, her husband, on the other hand, really? That's the best you had. How are you going to fix that? Is that what you wanted? That's what you want. Now what are you going to do to fix it? No grandson of mine is going to be a lazy good-for-nothing whatever. Okay? Now, I'm going to transition from that to something Hatsumi Sensei said once. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> it was said to a friend of mine. And I'm only chuckling because part of me is like, oh, thank God that didn't come at me, right? My my friend, right? He We, we were at a, we a Taikai. I think it was in Princeton, New Jersey. I think so. He walks up to Hatsumi Sensei, right? So it says it's, he demonstrated something. He's walking around. We're all training and everything. And I hear my friend, like, you know, talking to Hatsumi Sensei. Anytime anybody asks a question of my teacher, I don't care if I'm supposed to be in an art or not. I was told, I'm told as a white belt, you need to steal this art because you're only ever going to get 10% of it in the formal classes, right? And part of that stealing was, here's somebody ask a question. Well, lean in and listen for the answer. Because, shit, here's an opportunity. When might that come around again that he might ask that? Or if I don't remember to, to ask again later, or for me, and I forget, when might that, see, there's this opportunity, right? So he, he asked Hatsumi-sensei what he thought of a particular martial art. Hatsumi-sensei, most people know him as this smiling, you know, whatever kind of guy, lackadaisical, uh, you know, you know, sensei, do I have to, do I have to do that training that this other guy's talking about? Nope. Nope. You don't have to do that. Okay. Fantastic. Thanks. Right? It's not what he said. No, you don't have to. But in sidebar conversations with a bunch of us, he would often say, you don't have to breathe either, but we highly recommend it. Okay. So just remember that the lessons aren't always the same. The lessons are tailored to the student. And that's what he said he was a very wind character. I say was because he's retired, not because he's dead. Right? Very wind character. What that means is he's going to give you whatever you want because you need to figure it out. That's part of the lineage training. Right? So anyway, Sensei looks at my friend. My friend's name was Mark. He looks at my friend Mark and he said, don't you ever ask me a question like that again. Before you ask me a question, 
you had better have done some research and have a specific question that tells me that you've done that research. And then he looks around the room and he says, you see him and him and her and him? I expect dumb shit questions like that from them. Don't you ever ask me a question like that again. Do you understand? Yes, it's. And there's me going. <laughs> right? Okay. So if, if you think that this is just from certain types of mentors in my life and did not come from mentors all the way up to the big guy in this art, fooling yourself. Most people believe that the training looks like they see it on YouTube video recordings or in seminar style at Hombu or at a Tai Kai or whatever, not the one-on-one -on -one kind of stuff or in small group things like at a seminar, right? And it's not just Hatsumi Sensei, right? Everybody's taught this lesson, right? And then a bunch of us are pulled off to the side and the teacher, this shit starts pissing people off, right? Because Stuff shouldn't be held back from us, right? Why are you getting it? Because, see, see, you are special and you were given special treatment and we weren't. Why? Why were certain people given certain other lessons? Because they weren't looking for rank. They weren't looking for attaboys, right? They were looking for, and they established value, okay? Nobody was bribing the teacher and giving them more money or whatever, right? So we get pulled to the side and we're told, don't do it that way. I taught that to the group because everybody's putting too much power in. They're doing the, 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 the egos leading and all that. They're going to hurt themselves. They're going to hurt somebody else. I can't do that in a group. Don't do that. You guys are going to do it like this. Man, was that the painful side, right? And then I remember in this one, Somebody starts to come over because they, hmm, what's going on, right? Comes over under the guise of having a question. And it's okay. All right, that's okay. See, it's okay now. No, different teacher, right? Sensei says, oh, in a minute, in a minute. I'll be back over. Go try, right? And the guy wouldn't leave. He tried twice and then finally said, okay, just do, do this. Save that other for your personal training, okay? We can't do it now. But he snuck in the lesson and then told us, disguise what you're doing. Do what everybody else is doing. We'll talk about this later. That, that, that pisses people off, right? Because now I'm not in the know. But how did some of us get into those quote-unquote inner circles? We didn't bribe anybody. There was no, there was no, um, no corruption, no paying somebody or buying them off or whatever. It had to do with teacher gave lesson, worked the lesson, did it till it hurt, ask other questions, ask specific questions, not just what we needed for the belt, not looking over our shoulders to see if Sensei's looking, focusing on training. That's what brings the teacher. That's what brings the other lessons. Because everybody can see what the commitment is. Everybody can see what the courage is. Everybody can see what the agenda is. Everybody can see it. Right? 
and everybody everybody gravitates into groups of people just like them. Why? Because it's comfortable. We all want to be above average, but as soon as you shed, let's say you came into into our fall camp, which is by the way November fifth, sixth, and seventh. If you came into that, okay. No matter how above average you are in the group you came from, as soon as you come into that group, guess what? You're average again. Not in the grand scheme of things, in the group you're in. The group you're in should be causing you to constantly be doing this, which puts you into another group. And guess what? Now you're average in that group. If you want a good example of this and you like to read, right? I guess maybe you can find an animated video or whatever. Find the book Jonathan Livingston Seagull by Richard Bach. It's one of the best books I ever read. It's really short. Somebody gave it to me at a seminar one time because this topic came up. They gave it to me, and I read it twice on the flight back home. It's that short, and I just was not putting it down. And I've read it over and over again, and it's about the process that somebody who is aiming to go as high as they can goes through. It's written around a seagull kind of thing, right? There's no such thing as seagulls written around a gull, but, okay? But there's this constant thing, failure, all that stuff. John says, good good book, really good book, right? Um, but it's about not, how many times have, have we settled because the group that we were in would have been uncomfortable because we made them look bad? Remember that cannery I told you I worked at? My life was threatened twice by full-time workers while I was working there because I was, according to them, I was making them look bad. You mean because I got this job, I did it quickly, correctly, and all that, and you come in and milk the work time, and so now the company is now operating based on needing this many extra people to get this one job done because they think that's what it takes? when really what's happening is the lackadaisical are controlling the process. And here I come, I don't need to work here. I can work anywhere to make bare minimum to get the bills paid and to eat. Tell them my businesses are set up, right? So I'm doing this stuff and then I'm approached and told in no uncertain terms, you're making us look bad and if you don't stop, bad things can happen, which made me smile because I'm like, you do know that I'm at least a first-degree black belt and I have all this experience. You do know. <laughs> Seriously? So that's one. And two, I'm not making you look bad. I'm showing the supervisors how long it really takes to get this job done. You make you look bad by comparison. This is not a me thing. So anyway, right? Comfort is going to kill you. I know a lot of us want more success, but are a lot of us willing to do what I've been pulling? I, some of my inner circle people know because we have weekly coaching calls and stuff, right? I just had one the other day where they got a chance to hear me get really emotional. I didn't cry, but I got really emotional. Part of that emotion was pissed off because a week and a half prior to that call, I woke up, not from sleeping, sleeping, right? I woke up and realized that somewhere along the way, 
lessons dropped off and I stopped setting goals for myself that were that I have no fucking idea how I'm going to make it. And I started settling and I started being reasonable. And man, was I pissed off. And since then, <laughs> I'm really tired right now. But you know what? It's going to be another 3 or 4 a.m. night because the family's sleeping. They've been taken care of. And I got shit to do. I have things I must accomplish because I'm still making up for the COVID shutdowns and all this other stuff and things that I slacked off on and things that have to be done and put into place and all that, right? I just, the past couple of nights, except for the night, remember I told you my wife set things up? We had a great night Friday night, right? We did a sleepover someplace and had a good time and all that and reminded each other that we liked each other and all that kind of stuff, right? I passed out probably at 1130 that night, maybe midnight. But the two nights before it were three, four a.m. nights, and the last two nights—Saturday night, Sunday night. This is uh, sorry. Last night was a four a.m. night. Tonight's going to be a three or four a.m. night because there's things on my to-do list. I need to finish my goal for today. By the time I go to sleep tonight, is to make sure everything that was set in as a goal for the past week that wasn't finished yet that can be done will be done. And I'm going to start a whole new week with the next phase goals because I want it that badly. On the mandala, one of the realms where the warrior actually belongs. Sit too long. This realm, it's the same on all these, right? This realm, this realm, it's the realm of the warrior. The realm of the warrior is the realm of sacrifice. What do you have to give up to get the shit that you say you really want? Because if you don't give it up and you don't have the time or the resources that that's taking that need to be put over here, you're not getting that thing. You can be pissed off at the, at the world. You can be blaming everybody else. You can be having all kinds of excuses. But if you're not controlling what you can control, it's nobody's fucking fault but yours. There's no guarantee that you're going to get where you're aiming. But there's a guarantee that you're not going to get there if you don't do the shit you need to do to get there. That's a guarantee. Okay? If you do zero effort or 50% or whatever, okay? input, outcome. Degree of input, degree of outcome. These are natural laws. You cannot be studying a martial art that's all based on nature and natural laws and be parroting this stuff about nature and ignoring all the rules. <laughs> Cause and effect. Rule number one. To get that effect, these things are necessary. If you're not willing to do all of them or any of them, you're not getting it. One of my teachers used to sum this up. Uh, last story, because I'll talk about this shit forever, right? One, because I need to keep hearing my, hear it, because my teachers are around to say it. But when I say, I hear the same lessons that I was taught, because I need to hear it again. I need to keep this fuel going. I need to keep the fire going. I need to, not just going, I need to make this fucking fire. Jeff, I need to make it burn the town down. 
Okay. One of these little lessons was you want a million dollars, but if you're not doing the stuff that's necessary to make a million dollars, unless Aunt Minnie dies and wills you a million dollars, you ain't getting a million dollars. And if you don't have an Aunt Minnie or an Aunt anybody that has a million dollars is going to, but you're not getting a million dollars. So anyway, right? Don't ever, if you are serious about being successful, I don't care if it's mastering ninjutsu or being at the top of your game in, in, the, in the field that you're in or whatever it is, best dad, any kid calls their, kid, their dad best dad. They don't know what any other dad does, right? Wearing a t-shirt. Number one dad. Really? What did it take to get that? You had kids, they like you, and you bought a damn t-shirt that says world's best dad. Well, you know what? They sold a million of those fucking t-shirts, and there's a bunch of other people walking around with world's best dad. That's like a company going, our customer service is uh, better than everybody else. Really? Have you heard all the commercials where everybody says their customer service is number one? And then you've dealt with the company, and it's shit? Not everybody can be number one, right? Be the best you can be, right? But stop betting on things. Stop, you know, one million dollars, right? That's a whole other area on the, on the mandala, right? That's the hungry spirit realm. The hungry ghost, okay? They want, 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 but they can't do what they need to do to get what they want. So unless somebody else gives it to them, they'll never have it. You know what they look like imagery-wise from the old text? They have narrow mouths, skinny necks, and a big old starving gut, right? You know, like the people in certain areas of the world that are starving and they got this big old distension kind of thing. That's what they look like. Okay? Until they do it for themselves. And that includes finding the teachers that can help or the partners that can help or whatever, right? But as long as you keep hanging around the same group or dealing with the same people that are going, man, I know exactly what you mean, right? People are shit. The world's shit. Uh, you, you, you can't get anywhere. As long as you have people telling you the same thing, validating their current belief, you're not going anywhere. Until you start hanging around with people that produce what you want to be producing, and you do that consistently, you need people that, that, that can help you rise up, either by teaching you what you need to do or whatever, right? And when you slip, because you've proven your value, you've proven to them that you're beneficial to the group too, right? To make those people, when you slip, want to reach down and grab you and yank your ass up, We design our lives to the power of our choices. That's another Richard Bach quote. We design our lives to the power of our choices. That's it. That's all there is. Okay. All right. Hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully it pissed some people off too. Hopefully it pissed them off in in a good way to where they, they damn it, I want to do better. Okay. But here's, here's the reality, and I'm going to leave you with this. I know I said this before. I'm going to leave you with this. A strong man cannot make a weak man stronger. They can't just touch them and make them stronger. A weak man 
can make themselves strong by doing things that make a person strong. A strong man and women, right, can make themselves stronger by tweaking the workout to make themselves stronger. They can't do it by just getting comfortable and doing the same workout all the time, okay? But nobody, I cannot confer mastery upon you. I can print out a certificate, make it look all cool, make you feel good about yourself, but that's all there is. Okay? You can brag to your friggin' heart's end, to your last breath. Look at her, I am da 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 da. No, you're not. Just because you have a paper that says so doesn't make it so. One of the best things I ever heard, I gotta leave this, right? Uh, I think in a past episode, I told you about this guy named Corporal Petty multiple tours to Vietnam, all that. He was my first squad leader in the military, right? Oh, man. We, As a military policeman, you often have to deal with uh, drunk officers and all that that outrank you, but their authority, rank and authority are different in this moment, right? As a military policeman, when I served, right, I had the full rank and authority of a second degree, uh, not second degree, of a two-star general halfway around the world. So when I was on duty and I was functioning, it didn't matter if I was a buck private. When I was dealing with somebody, my authority extended one rank beyond theirs at minimum. Okay. But walking into a situation, I remember one time we walked in, I was like buck private. He's a corporal. He's E4, right? He's a non-commissioned officer, but and there were reasons that Petty was not <laughs> up there because he had no problem. If he ducked bullets, he had no problem telling people that they had seriously screwed up. And that even included in the chain of command. Anyway, so we go into this thing. You're drunk and disorderly. I'm not, I, I, I don't have to salute you. I'm moving in to take control of the situation, right? And this guy, this officer says, you didn't salute me. And Corporal Petty said, you're absolutely right. Don't confuse your rank with my authority. Right? You need to salute me. I am an officer and a gentleman. And without batting an eye, Petty said, maybe so, but only because Congress says so. At the moment, there's no proof. Because on their cards, it says that this person is an officer and gentleman by decree of the uh, Congress of the United States or something like that, right? Petty, don't be that person. That's not a command. It's 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 a it's a it's a gentle warning. Okay. Those who are producing things, your life speaks for itself. The way you carry yourself, the way you do things, speaks for itself. Okay. And anytime, I'm gonna I'm, I'm now borrowing a, a phrase that one of my mentors uses. Um, you know, he's, he's telling us, look, if you want this, you need to do this, 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 and this. Right? I don't care if you like it. Right? And anybody that goes, yeah, but I'm doing pretty well. I'm glad I got this. Really? You got this? You got, you want this, but you got this. Do you know how I know you want this? You're in my damn seminar. Because if you're okay with that, you wouldn't be here. So my question for you is, how's your damn program working for you? Because if you're not producing what you want to be producing, you need a different program or you're not working the program. Anyway, that's it. I'm going to wrap this up because, like, I'm 
Wait, this is another one of those long ones, and I apologize. But anyway, look, guys, success requires work, sacrifice, and all that. But you need to work smart. You need to know what those things are. And if you don't know what they are, then you find somebody who's producing that, and you find out from them. But when they tell you, you don't get to pick and choose which steps to follow because these are comfortable and these are not. Your success is found outside your comfort zone. As long as you're comfortable, as long as you give up on your commitment, well, that makes my spouse uncomfortable. That makes my friends uncomfortable. That makes my coworkers uncomfortable. That makes me uncomfortable. Who gives a shit? Why are they uncomfortable? You know what makes most people uncomfortable? You succeeding and proving that you can have your cake and eat it too. Because either they have to buck up or what, what, what irritates them is that you are a walking, talking example that they bullshitted themselves into complacency. That they gave up on their dreams. So it's in their best interest to make you give up on yours so that they don't have to be reminded every day that they did the same thing. This is what it is. I got this freaking ranking certificate. Doesn't mean I stopped learning. Doesn't mean I walk around going, huh, I am Dai Shihan Wolf. You know why I use that term? Because most of my students need it and other people that are looking for this stuff gauge a good teacher based on credentials or whatever. Anyway, all right, that's it. I'm going to wrap this up. Let me see what we got here. Uh, truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Yeah, and you know what? I was just talking to somebody the other day, Richard. Um, there's nothing, there's no statement or implication in that lesson about truth setting you free that life gets better, that all your problems go away. Okay? What goes away is your ignorant attempt to find a utopic, blissful kind of thing that's never, that, that suddenly you stepped outside of the, the messiness of life. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, good book. Uh, that was my paternal grandfather. See, if we're lucky, we find one role model like this in their life. Okay? My grandfather, my paternal grandfather was that way. Right? And then I bumped into one or two that could be, but I had to decide. And then I realized that the ones that were the hardest on me gave me the fodder for the fastest growth. Because, see, this is, masters understand this and rich people understand this. Remember I told you, if you have a decent job, you're making, you know, 15, 20 bucks an hour, over a 40-year work year or work life, right, you'll make a million dollars. But the wealthy understand is how to compress time, how to use leverage and all that. Masters too, right? That's what this art is teaching. One of the primary principles of this art is leverage. It's not just again, again about applying a pressure point, hit a pressure point or applying a joint lock or whatever. Everything in your life, how do you apply leverage to maximize output with minimal input? But smart minimal input. What you're really looking at is how to maximize return on investment. This much energy produces that much outcome. This much energy and I'm barely moving them? Your technique is shit. I don't care if you can drive the guy to the ground. How do you feel afterwards? Yeah, but I, I won that. Yeah, but now two of his friends are coming, and you've got 25% of the energy you started off with. Oops. 
It's the same thing with this wealth thing and, and being able to be okay and why I'm driving my ass and, and you know, says, oh, you care about is money. No, but I do have to raise my family and I do have to be okay, right? If at some point in my life, I can't do this stuff anymore physically because my body breaks down. What, I'm supposed to lay on a ventilator and die because you promised me that you'll be the prodigal son if I just give everything to you for free? I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally, over the last 40 years to get this stuff. And I'm supposed to just fucking give it to you for free? You don't have to do anything? Really? Seriously? Unfortunately, in today's world, you won't move into my place and me bust your balls all day long to be an uchideshi. You go to work. You bring the money back so I can eat and my family's okay and all that, right? So I can focus on this all the time. So in today's world, we do a trade of value for value. I don't want chickens. I don't want cows. I don't want anything like that, right? I want something I can leverage in lots of other places. So the question isn't, what am I going to do to make it easier for you? So what are you going to do to, in, to improve your state so you are free to do more? That's it. I'm done. I'll talk to everybody again next time. Get more of Kudan Radio, subscribe to your favorite podcasting site, or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.